Hey guys, a quick note. At the end of this episode, we are going to be live picking the winner for our Christmas giveaway. So if you signed up for that, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode. Chris, I need help. I think I might have accidentally joined a cult. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit more about them, and you can be the judge, and maybe see if you can find out what kind of group this is. Okay. They say I'm probably a librarian, but I wish I was more of an architect. They're all obsessed with unlocking their true potential through obsidian. <laughs> Their leader is a man named Tiago Forte, and he speaks about balancing order and chaos in your life. And ultimately, they are helping me build my second brain. Okay. Oh, no. Does this sound like a pitch for like a bad sci-fi cult? <laughs> yeah, I'm confused a little okay, bit. Okay, so yeah. any guesses of like the topic of what these people are into is? No. Note-taking. Note-taking. <laughs> the world of note-taking is so bizarre, uh, and I've been on a little journey with that recently. So I wanted to kind of tell you where I was and where I've came to and how I've learned the good news of note-taking. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I started taking notes more seriously in 2012 with Evernote. Uh, mm, pretty yes, pretty yes. popular app, really big at the time, and still is to this day to an extent. And I was in college, and I needed a better system of organizing where we would listen to lectures or you needed to build a quick study guide or even just a to-do list. You're away from home. You have to kind of learn how to take care of yourself in those ways. So I really enjoyed Evernote because I could sync from my phone to my computer to this like old laptop I had and everything was consistent. And they got bought by a venture capitalist company a couple of years ago who is desperate to make money off of them. And they've made it a little bit harder now to just use their service without paying them money hmm. and not against paying money for things that are useful and worth it. I'm not going to pay $120 a year for a note-taking app that doesn't really have a lot of frills to it. Uh, so their new thing is that um, if you have more than 50 notes, you have to pay to an annual subscription to keep using the service. So if 50 is the limit, I already had 1,300. Oh, my gosh. And it, I'm not locked out of using those notes. I can edit existing ones, but I can't make a new note until I get under 50 or give them money. Uh, so I felt like I needed to find another way to continue being able to just to like take notes because enough of my life functions on these yeah. lists to I had to do something. So a few years ago, I had someone recommend Notion uh, to mm. me as a, just a great way to manage what video games you're playing. And that's where in our one of our early episodes when we talked about the video game spreadsheet, that is what I run that in in Notion. But I will say I have to make a correction. Uh, my, my friend Kevin, who's a bit of a spreadsheet wizard himself, <laughs> I was showing this to him recently and he said that that is not a spreadsheet, but that is actually more of a sprint. So uh, I didn't know what a sprint was. No. But so thank you, Kevin, for explaining that to me. So I was able to dip my toe into Notion and just see how powerful it was. Do you have any experience with like Notion or Evernote or any of these other note-taking apps? No, we, one of the ways we differ is that I am not a serious note-taker. If you were to see the notes I did take in college, you'd be like, I'm curious as to how you made it out of college. <laughs> so no, I I, I, uh, I mean, I've used like, I have used apps that I, I will in the store search notes and I'll take notes there. And I did I did go through a stint in college where I used an app called Notability. I don't know if you yeah, remember that. Yeah, and, and I did like that. Um, but... You know, other than that, I, uh, I, I know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to tell you about Obsidian now because I am too intimidated to, to use this one, but it is so crazy. 
So first of all, it is it is a local notes app. There is no syncing built into it by default. Okay. You have to host your own server too. Oh, wow. So you could throw it in like Google Drive or if you just have a server right. structure. That, so you have to handle all that on your own. It sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. So people who like to tinker love this yeah. because like every feature is you could turn off or on mm. or add to it. But in order to use it well, you have to understand like a few programming languages because the way that they just program like bolding words is you don't just hit you know the normal you don't hit don't click the bold button you have to know to like type these symbols yeah and like drop it in and it it looks really weird i think the best part is what they call the graph view where it shows how you link from one note to the next and it's a very like bottom-up chaotic structure they call it hmm. so it shows it looks like you're looking at something under a microscope that's being heated up and it's like these particles are all just like wiggling around and there's lines drawn everywhere it looks like i don't know some sort of alien communication device thing that's interesting <laughs> but yeah this is how this is how like modern people i guess take notes and uh See, this is called obsidian obsidian yeah I've and the logo is this like per- glowing purple stone because mm. like obsidian is like a dark i think it's like a black colored stone or whatever yeah basing but, it off my n- minecraft knowledge it's like a dark purple yes yeah. yes that makes sense some people are are more they really care about the specific type of software like obsidian i read an article that described obsidian users as a cult and they said That's that funny. some of the youtube tutorials so you have to watch like a 20 minute youtube tutorial just to understand like basic features and stuff <laughs> in this and one guy would leave like left this a very iconic comment where he said that like i just watched a meditation that wasn't a tu- <laughs> tutorial <laughs> uh but there are some people who don't really care which software you're using but more about how you use it to change your life and that's where the whole second brain thing comes in <laughs> Uh, so the, this guy named Tiago Forte, who has like the most charismatic sounding name, I've got to say, yeah. like I would follow that guy to a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, the idea is that like our brains are great for having great ideas. We can come up with ideas, but they're not great at storing them hmm. and think about how many times have you had this great idea and then you forgot to write it down or keep track of it. And mm-hmm. then you forgot. And six months later, you say, oh, yeah, I guess I could have done that. But now it's too late. The Something expired. I can't do this thing anymore. So the idea is that you use the note-taking app as the second brain that archives everything, stores mm. the ideas for later. You can add to them over time, kind of let the, let the pot simmer, I guess, is the metaphor people use. And that way you can focus on your first brain, your real brain, being the thing that has just comes up with ideas and doesn't have to worry about hmm. remembering them. Uh, so I have now migrated all my podcast notes into Notion, and I've been trialing my second brain for the last month. <laughs> and it, uh, Amy's been sending videos to her friends of like, look how weird Peyton is with obsessive about like making all of these notes work and stuff. Uh, but it's been it's been kind of working, where uh, I've been getting better at taking a random thought I have on a Tuesday. And being able to just like add a little bit to an existing note and be able to better organize what I am doing on a daily, you know, on a daily basis. So let's just hope that one of these days Tiago Forte doesn't start asking me to do blood sacrifices. <laughs> Welcome to the Factoid Podcast. You didn't ask for it, but we're going to tell you anyway. My name is Chris Humphreys. And I'm Peyton Gessel. Now, Peyton, my son, his name's Wade. He loves 
kids' songs, okay? Like, he loves kids' songs. We were talking to some of our friends who have babies about the songs their kids love, and, and they were lucky enough to, I guess, play for them, like, adult songs when they were babies. Oh, so nice. that they actually like adult songs, right? And I was like, wow, that's lucky because... My kid literally just likes kids' songs. Like, if you Google kids' songs, if you put it in YouTube, that's what he wants to listen to. His favorites, the ants go marching one by one, right? Uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round. There's a song called Open, Shut, Open, Shut. He loves it. Loves to do the motions. Wasn't there, when I was over at your house around Halloween, wasn't he watching, like, Halloween versions yeah, of certain... like pumpkins and rolling and... Yeah, 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 yes. For sure. There, and there's Halloween versions of all these things, Christmas versions of all these things. For some reason, he wasn't super into the Christmas versions of the kids' songs, which is weird. But he loves, loves the Itsy Bitsy Spider, right? Like, he loves... Oh, that's what it was. So it was, like, a Halloween version of Itsy Bitsy Spider. Okay. It was in, like, a minor key yes. or something yes. where they were, like, making it more spooky than it normally yes. would be. Yes, and he, man, it's adorable. He loves it, right? And And I've heard these songs so much, like, time and time again. At this point, like... I could say to you all of the words to all of them at any given point just off the top of my head without thinking about it. It's crazy. And the fact that I listen to them so much means I don't really think about them. Uh, but if you do think about them, sometimes it's like kind of weird. Sometimes it's kind of creepy. Sometimes they're kind of like scary, right? Like these are kids songs, right? And his favorite one, it, I don't know if it's his favorite anymore, but for a long period of time, it was his favorite, The Ants Go Marching. This is legitimately... It's also called Ants at War. The ants go marching one by one. They're going to war, right? It's basically these ants who go marching, and they're marching off to war, and eventually one of them stops, and he ties his shoes, or he shuts the door, or he jumps. But, like, these are ants going to war. That's what we're singing about. Wow. And, which is crazy, right? But, but it, gets, it gets worse. You know the song, Rockabye Baby? Oh, no. What, Rockabye what? Baby in the treetops. When the wind... Blows the cradle rocks. That's cute, right? Yeah. But when the bow breaks, the cradle falls and the baby. Basically, we're talking about a baby falling out of a tree. <laughs> this is what we're supposed to be putting a baby to sleep with. Wow. Yeah. It gets dark, right? It mm -hmm. gets crazy. And there's another one. It's not quite as creepy, but thanks to my friend Marcus, I know a lot more about this song. He brought it up to me, told me I should look into it. And so I want to give him a shout out. Marcus, if you're listening, which I know you are eventually, uh, this comes from him. Um, but, and this one ha has come up a few times. It's a little less popular in my current YouTube algorithm that for the songs Wade listens to, but this comes all the way back from the 1600s. The great people of London noticed something very peculiar. London Bridge was falling down. <laughs> There have been a few iterations of the London Bridge, it turns out. Most of them were just upgrades or changes based off of the first one, the original one. But the first structure was actually built in, like, the 1100s, right? Wow. A long, long time ago. We're talking, like, that's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. They build things a lot differently now than they did in 1100s, right? Yep. So that's, I think, part, part of the reason we got any problems with the bridge. Right. It's like refrigerators and the London Bridge. They just don't... And washing machines. They don't build them like they used <laughs> no, to. they sure don't. They really... You know, technology, they, we can say they don't build them like they used to but it has gotten better okay it has things have changed for the better let's say but uh the first structure was built in the 1100s it's in central london and it actually spans the thames river between borough high street and south work and king william street in the city of london right that's what it goes back and forth it's actually not that big of a bridge it's like not even a thousand feet long it yeah. turns out yeah did you know i walked it 
No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, didn't fall down. That's crazy. Good, good. Yes, yeah, I was just pulling it up in Google Maps, and it's like, yeah, you visited. and Because I thought I was on it, but I know there are maybe three or four bridges in that area, and yeah. I thought, I wonder if I was accidentally on Tower Bridge, but no. And Tower Bridge is, when you say London Bridge, Tower Bridge is really what people think oh, that's about. What, okay. That's what people think about when you say that. Right. That's not what it is. Um, Tower Bridge is like that really beautiful, you know what it is. Yes. It, yeah. It's beautiful. Right, because when I was watching walking London Bridge, not that I thought it wasn't cool, but I it was more about I need to cross the river because there was a yeah. there's this old like cathedral from 1100 or so that it got it got bombed out in World War II and they kept the the remains of it mm-hmm. so it's this like abandoned ruins of a you know of a church and they just planted a bunch of nice plants and they put some benches up and now it's a garden and it is about a block from most of the skyscrapers that you associate with the London skyline. That's but cool. if you just if you take a picture from just the right angle of it, you look like you are in like a magical woods. And wow. so that was on my to do list. And in order to do that, I needed to cross the London Bridge from the train line. So yes. that is my experience with the London Bridge. Yeah. So and it turns out because like I said, when you hear London Bridge, if you think about it, it's that really beautiful like tall and then the archy like bridge, right? Mm-hmm. That's the Tower Bridge. The London Bridge really was just the main thoroughfare for anybody who needed to get across. Um, and it ended up kind of becoming it way back in those days it kind of became like the city center and like people had built businesses and houses and stuff like on the bridge and they would do like they would trade and they would you know sell their stuff and make their stuff that's what people did on the london bridge and all the stuff would happen there and and they didn't necessarily build it with that in mind when they built it right and so along with the fact that just like uh construction technology i guess or construction ability wasn't where it's at now right they didn't really build it to be having that kind of traffic on it. And so through the years, some problems happened. Actually, in uh, in the 1600s, we've made it all the way up to here and there have been problems and things have happened and they've repaired the bridge up to this point. But in the 1600s, uh, approximately in 1623, fires broke out and they, they caused a bunch of damage to to the bridge and it began to fall down. This is the first time that the, the London Bridge really uh, began to be falling down right fires happened the whole thing that what was on top of them was in ruins the bridge itself was in ruins it just didn't it didn't do what it was supposed to it began to crumble they ended up demolishing all the structures and 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 partially rebuilding and widening the bridge but when you try to bandage a problem instead of put a cast on it right it's bad yeah it's not, it's not always a good thing so what what they were doing was i think the saying is putting lipstick on a pig oh i use that a lot yeah yes. isn't that funny i think that's a funny one uh but like they fixed it, but they didn't fix it. Sure. So over and over and over again, this bridge kept falling down enough to where it, this is the time the song comes out. The song becomes popular. It's even a game. There's a game associated with it. London Bridge is falling down, yeah. falling down. Ye old billboard top charts. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, this thing has been around. This has been around the block. It's still popular now. London Bridge is falling down. It needs to be repaired. Wait, is that the end? Is that what you say after the falling down, falling down? No. Okay. My I, fair lady. Oh, okay. <laughs> is what it needs to be. No, my fair lady is what it is. Um, but, and in fact, the song's sometimes called my fair lady for what it's worth. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, uh, I've heard that song a million times. Never have I actually thought about it in the context of the London Bridge falling down, which I know maybe is silly, but like, it's one of those things where you just sing it and you hear the words and you don't think about it at all. Yeah. Like ring around the rosy, how it's a, has to do with the the plague or something exactly, like that. Yeah. Exactly. You just don't think that much about it. You don't think about the history, but this is what happened. London Bridge is falling down. And so eventually they finally come to a realization. We've got to fix this bridge. It's still a main thoroughfare. We still have to cross this river all the time. So in the 1820s, a, a committee was formed and they decided we got to fix this thing. We got to make a better bridge. It's got to be good. So they did about like a hundred feet from the original one, like 
to a different direction, they build another one. And in 1831, it was finally finished. London Bridge was no longer falling down, <laughs> which is great, right? But the same thing happened and, and more traffic than they ever assumed would be going back and forth over this bridge. More people, more things, more use than they ever would have imagined this bridge ended up getting. And in just 140 short years, it was discovered that London Bridge was sinking. Oh, no. Yeah. So London Bridge is falling down for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And they say, let's build a new one. So London Bridge gets built again. And now London Bridge is sinking. Slowly falling down. Slowly falling down. So they quite quickly decided that they've got to make a new bridge in its place. This one has to be good because we've messed this up a few times already, right? And so they, they, they get right on it, right? This As soon as they discover this is falling down, they get right on it. But before they did, somebody had a bright idea. Somebody on the committee, some head honcho decides, you know what? We might be able to cut our losses a little bit. We might be able to make this work. I bet there's somebody out there dumb enough to buy this thing. <laughs> so buy the bridge. So this is we're talking in in the 1900s, right? In the mid 1900s, somebody's like, I bet we could offload this thing to some sucker wanting to buy a bridge, which is like such a like for like you sell old stuff, right? I get that, right? We sell things so we don't have to get rid of them, so we don't have to throw them away, so sure. we can make a little money off them. Yeah, but we're talking like an old sweatshirt mm-hmm. or like my bike. Right. Or I think about like the Green Bay Packers are kind of known for this where uh, they, they they have like a weird ownership structure for their football team where you can become like a part owner and stuff. Sure. But I know when they will like redo the seats in the stadium, they will sell every single seat. And if you are a big fan, you can buy one of the 50,000 seats or whatever and put that in your house. And then you'll right. be like, I have part of it. Like at least there is a there's like a cultural reason why you know, I like this team. I want to have this right. in my house. But a whole bridge? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like a seat, even a seat, even though that's a little extravagant, that, like, that's kind of cool. I could imagine like bolting that thing in my basement or something, yeah. right? I get that. But someone's like, I bet somebody out there will buy this bridge. There's no Craigslist at the time, right? There's no, like, this is going to, how are you going to find somebody? But whatever, it's an idea. And I guess they entertain the idea. Do they put a for sale sign on it? <laughs> I don't know. That would be really funny, yes. though. But wouldn't you know it? A rich, old American man named Richard McCullough decided that he wanted that piece of London history. And and he he's he's rich. He was a, an independently wealthy man. And he's he's what when you Google him, what he would call a chainsaw magnate. Oh. He's apparently, apparently, I don't know anything about chainsaws. I've, I've only used one in my whole life, but apparently there's a company called McCullough Chainsaws, at least in this area of time. Mm-hmm. And he was a big into that. He was kind of in oil and gas and other stuff too. So he had a lot of money. But when the opportunity arose for him to purchase this bridge, he thought that it might be a good investment. Because just recently at this time, Richard McCullough had purchased 26 square miles of land right next to Lake Havasu in Arizona. And he he, of course, built uh, a chainsaw manufacturing facility so people could work there. He was starting, he wanted to start a town. Sure. And he decided, my town's got to have something that draws people to it. <laughs> and so he's looking all around and he, and he hears word through the grapevine, the, the old 1960s Craigslist line, whatever that might have been at the time, that someone's selling the London Bridge. And he decides, you know what? I think I want the London Bridge. And so he calls up the guy 
they somehow decide on a price. He pays like around two and a half million dollars for the bridge, okay? Which honestly seems reasonable to yeah. me. I, I don't know what the exchange rate was like back then, so I don't know how many pounds that turns into. I don't either. That I should have looked into that. I didn't even think about the fact that it was different money. But he's he's paying about two hundred two and a half million USD for this bridge. And but get this, he he has to he wants to put it on Lake Havasu. So he's like, well, there's got to be somewhere for it to go. So he builds a peninsula in the lake to put the bridge on. Okay, and it's crazy because that's like what a ridiculous idea. But Lake Havasu is still a city in Arizona, mm-hmm. and it turns out. The, the top the, the the top rated tourist attraction in, in Arizona excluding like the top rated only being beaten by the Grand Canyon is the London Bridge in Lake Havasu Arizona and get this so this what this means okay is that this man purchased the London Bridge and then for two and a half million dollars brick by brick or really it was large granite square by large granite square he had it shipped on a boat. To California, and then from California, he had it driven to Lake Havasu, Arizona, where they rebuilt it. They put numbers on it. If you look at it today, the actual London Bridge is in Lake Havasu, Arizona, and all the blocks have numbers on them, so they didn't misplace where they were supposed to go. That's what I was about to ask: is is it is it reassembled in the way that it was? And it sounds like yes, it's exactly built. I mean, they they fixed the structural issues of it, but it is literally, it is the same bridge, the second one technically, from the 1800s. It's the same bridge built in the exact same way, put together exactly how it was from London, now in Lake Havasu, Arizona, as the number two tourist attraction in Arizona. (laughs) I had no idea about this. either. I couldn't believe it. It's not like someone reproduced it. Right. It's like some... Because you see that a lot. Like I was reading yesterday about how I think there may be like a fake Paris inside of a city in China, but then no one wants to live in that city in China. So it's kind of like an abandoned Paris in China. (laughs) But like the, the idea of I like this iconic structure, I'm going to make my own version. Yeah. Very... It's actually somewhat widespread to do that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course. There's like, there, I feel like there's all kinds of, like in every city, they have little versions of yeah. different cultural places. In Nashville, they have the Parthenon. They have like the Greek Parthenon in, you know, just in downtown right. Nashville that you can go into. Kings and Island has an Eiffel Tower. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like yeah. that, 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 and that stuff is normal and it's cool. Like, yeah. Reproductions, recreations, that's cool. But it's the actual London <laughs> Bridge, which like people were like, making fun of this they thought it was ridiculous it's a what a waste of money and and maybe it is but like this guy wanted to start a city and he did and it's said that not that he made back far more than his investment in this bridge because i don't know if i ever said this it cost him two and a half million to buy it yeah. it cost him like eight million dollars to ship it here oh sure so yeah. it, we're talking like a 10 million dollar investment for a 985 foot bridge yes that goes to a peninsula that he made to put the bridge on like it seems ridiculous, yeah. But apparently, like millions of people go visit this bridge all the time. Yeah. It's one of the best tourist attractions in Arizona. I've never been. I would love to go see, especially now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's also like a legend that people have started that he thought he was buying the Tower Bridge and it was going to be this crazy thing, <laughs> and he ended up with this one. And like he knows that's a thing people talk about, but. It just means people talk about it, and so people want to come to Lake Havasu, Arizona. Right. It adds to the legend in a way that only benefits exactly. Him. He definitely knew what bridge he was buying. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, so the actual London Bridge, more or less, is in Lake Havasu, Arizona. The one that was falling down for centuries and centuries now resides in the United States of America. I can't believe it. It's not falling down. 
but that doesn't really make quite as good of a song. <laughs> Have you ever been somewhere and smelled something random that didn't belong and you had no idea what was causing it? Yes, I have. And and it's funny because it has not that long ago. It, I, I work at a church and in the church, there's this really small office that we do not use very much at all. Um, there's a desk in there. Whatever. We're, we're kind of like trying to renovate this little office space. It doesn't really matter. None of that's important. But I walked in that room. It had been closed for a long time. And I turned the light on to do something. I left. I, I Whatever. I walked back in that room after a long time and it smelled like... I like like burnt marshmallow. Okay. Like very like very clearly this doesn't smell like normal burning like oh I it wasn't like an electrical smell. It was like this smells like burning marshmallow. And I thought that's super weird. And specific. Yeah, it very specific. And so I, and I I look around, I I like I lean around, I sniff up in the like I sniff everywhere. I'm like I don't know where this is coming from, but it's definitely in this room. You hear the faint noise of someone singing kumbaya. <laughs> so so I look I look all around and I look at it. I'm googling, I figure it out. It turns out and this is I'm pretty sure this is what it is. I still have I don't have 100% guaranteed, but um it turns out when a fluorescent light ballast goes bad, there's oil that drips out of it or like there's some kind of juice that's inside of it. I say juice, like some kind of lubricant or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up at the light and there was some, it's like one of those fluorescent lights that have a plastic cover, you know? Yeah. And there was some like schmutz and the light wasn't working right. And I Googled like fluorescent light, bad light on smells like burnt marshmallow. <laughs> and it turns out there's like Reddit threads about how fluorescent light ballasts going out smell like burnt marshmallow whoa and so that's a that's a psa for all of you but that's also like i was not expecting to smell that that day yeah that is a very good example (laughs) so i had one for me recently i was i was cleaning my toilets the other day and part of this process involves me using a product called clr stands for calcium lime and rust yep for calcium lime and rust clr is a must (laughs) You missed your calling as a pitch man, Chris. Uh, I remember those infomercials. Oh yeah, absolutely. Childhood. Yes. So I, I occasionally will buy CLR and use that because I've had luck with just all the places I lived over the years. Sometimes the water is not that great. Water is pretty good here, honestly. But like you know, it has that grime that builds up over time, and then you just you put a little bit of that into the you know in the toilet. You let it sit for a couple minutes. You grab your scrub brush, and then you just kind of scrub it, and it all goes away pretty magically, and it's great. Uh, so I was doing this the other day, and. In the process of it, though, I get a little bit of the CLR splashes onto my hands, mm-hmm. and it smells like maple syrup. Mm. And I now understand why people with small children lock up all of their chemicals because if it I good, yeah, like if I was a little kid and I don't know how these things work, I might think this is just like an industrial size of yeah. maple syrup, and maybe I just drink it. This and is where this is where mom and dad keep the maple syrup that they put in the bottle. Yeah, this is where they keep the good stuff. Right. <laughs> So I went online to see if I'm the only person to have thought of this. And I find so many articles about people saying, I smell maple syrup in this weird place and I don't know why. (laughs) So people are saying, I'm walking down the street and it smells like maple syrup. What's happening? I'm in my car. It smells like maple syrup. Uh, Like basically everywhere and in every situation you can think of. Uh, Like, have you heard of anything that smells like maple syrup before? No, no. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with CLR, it contains a compound called propylene glycol. And uh, propylene glycol, I'm really struggling to understand how this works, uh, but it's like a substance that helps carry other substances and make them soluble in liquid. 
So like certain things aren't aren't soluble in liquid normally, I guess, and this helps to make that happen. Uh, so it also one of the side effects of just this propylene glycol is that it has this sweet smell that reminds some people a little bit of maple syrup, and it's found in tons of stuff. Uh, it is edible to an extent as well. Like it, um, but like the reason someone smelled it in their car is because it's used in antifreeze coolant. Mm. So if you're smelling antifreeze, it may actually be like, sometimes it smells like sweet. And I've heard about bears that will actually break into people's cars to like drink the antifreeze because of like it, the smell is sweet. Like I that. know like dogs go crazy for antifreeze. Yeah, exactly. So then I also learned that thermoplastics like PLA have mm. propylene glycol. So some people have said, my house smells like maple syrup at night. I don't know why. And it's because they were running a, like a 3D print overnight. Mm -hmm. And just with the the, you know, the batch they bought, it makes that, you know, it, and when you're getting it hot too, it yeah. just makes it, everything smell like that. I also learned it's heavily used in vape juice. Okay. <laughs> and I had the delight of discovering a vaping forum where there was a post, there was a thread about people who are vaping around their family members and their family members say, is someone making pancakes in the other room? And then they'd be like, no, it's my vape. <laughs> no, it's my vape. Yeah. So um, as I'm reading through all of these different areas where people smell maple syrup, uh, and I was able to kind of solve that mystery for myself, I found one accusation that really caught my eye. I found people who smell like maple syrup. Oh, no. <laughs> You can break this down into two categories, uh, and I'll let you be the judge of which one is the funnier of the two. <laughs> uh, so the first one is called maple syrup urine disease, and this is often found in babies, newborns specifically, and uh, it's fairly treatable. This is not like a super dire condition, but you do have to take care of it. So like the body, like the bodies of some of these babies, they don't know how to process these certain amino acids, and somehow this creates this compound called sotolin, and it smells kind of like maple syrup. Uh, so in addition to like the baby's urine smelling like this, it also makes their earwax smell like this. Oh man. So I think what happens is like, you know, your mom or your dad's like wiping the baby's butt and then like smells like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then they mention it to their doctor and then they're able to treat this pretty easily. Uh, that's so odd. Yeah. But the more common way that people can smell like maple syrup that you can do if you really want to is by eating a plant called fenugreek. <laughs> Fenugreek. Fenugreek. Yeah. I think it comes from like people thinking this is like the Greek version of the fennel plant. Uh, I, I don't think it's related to it. Uh, but it's uh, mo these days it's most commonly found in Indian cuisine. And it's uh, also used as a flavoring in fake maple syrup. Because mm. I'm sure you're familiar that the majority of maple syrup that you go to the store and yeah. buy, it's not, it's either mostly not real or completely mm. not the real. The stuff I buy is like maple maple flavored syrup i think is what it says yes and, and that's usually what i do too that, that's one area where i haven't you know been much of a purist on and i usually like the, the faker stuff the problem i have with it is i really like maple syrup a lot yeah it's really expensive mm -hmm. like real maple syrup is like we're talking like 10x what this fake stuff is so that's yes. literally the only reason i don't buy it right and, and i'm sure you're familiar with the like a lot of these things in culture where it is hard to make like people get a desire to eat or drink this sort of thing and it becomes very expensive and hard mm -hmm. to do. And people come up with fake ways to kind of solve right. that problem. And then you can get the real thing if you want. But if you... Because it's like a process. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to like, you know, get the trees at the right time. Mm -hmm. I don't know the whole process. But I, have, like, I, I know some people in that and it's... I don't know I don't know all about it. I just know it's a lot of work. Right. 
So um, with the, the fenugreek plant itself, though, the leaves and the seeds naturally contain citolin, the same thing oh. found like within the baby that we were talking about. Interesting. And it doesn't break down very well in the digestive process. And it's a fairly oily substance and it doesn't dissolve well in water. So it, the scent lingers over time and mm. it doesn't go away very easily. So it's a little bit different than the whole like eating asparagus thing, if you get what I mean. Like you eat asparagus, you mm-hmm. eat asparagus, and, you know, it makes your pee smell weird. Uh, but like eating too much fenugreek can make you specifically your sweat smell like maple syrup. No way. So I read a very funny study about this, where someone was trying to prove that citolin can be found in human male armpit sweat. <laughs> it's specifically after eating enough fenugreek. And you know, how might you ask how you scientifically evaluate this? <laughs> you separate the sweat into every individual scent that makes up the sweat. And then you hire a panel of judges to sniff all of them and say, which one smells the most like maple syrup. And if you told me this was like a reality game show in Bulgaria, (laughs) I would believe you. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. But like, yeah, they have, you know, by the end of this study, the the sweat that the judges said smelled the most like maple syrup was isolated. And they went and they really double checked it. And it contained enough levels of citolin to prove that... The guy who ate fenugreek made his arm, you know, his armpits. Someone in a scientific setting, like I'm picturing students in lab coats. Oh, yeah. Filled jars with armpit sweat and then passed them around to people. And I'm picturing them swirling them like they're tasting wine. Like that's cr- that's funny. That's a funny picture. Getting, getting notes of maple. Yeah, yeah notes, <laughs> definitely notes of maple. Yes. It smells like uh, all uh, an imitation syrup. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They could tell it was fake. Yeah. yeah. This is not natural. <laughs> So, uh, as I've kind of alluded to, uh, I wanted to try this out for myself. I wanted to see how far I could take this. Uh, before you, you ate a lot of fen- fenugreek. Uh, yeah, I've got some fenugreek seeds oh, right here. Oh no! Yeah. Yes. So this is uh, just from my yeah from my local Indian grocery store, and yeah the the other term for this I think it's pronounced methi m e t h i, and I want you just to take a little smell of this and say how close Does you think it, if it smells like maple. Yeah. It smells a lot like maple. <laughs> yeah. Do you eat them? Uh, sort of. Uh, so they they are hard seeds. Like if like, do not try to eat. It smells a lot them. like maple. I mean that. Yeah. Like it smells good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would want my sweat to smell like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So like what what I would do is, um, I tried to find as many possible ways that I could consume <laughs> these, and I I didn't take it too far because it, it is a bit of a commitment. It smells better than it tastes. I will say that. Mm. Uh. So. Right around, like, I guess I have this kind of weird habit where I like to cook something that matches the video games that I'm playing. Sure. And this happens more than you might think. Uh, So, like, for example, uh, I was playing a video game called Persona 5 uh, several years ago. And there's a kind of minor subplot in the game about you are a teenage kid who is staying at this guy who's your legal guardian's house for a year and he this is in tokyo and he runs a coffee and curry shop and at the time i thought like this is so weird i feel like curry and coffee aren't things that go together and i guess japanese curry is actually a bit different than than a lot of other types of curries but as you get to befriend this guy who's your legal guardian he starts to give you the secret recipe he'll give tell you about secret ingredients and fans of the game tried to reverse engineer that into an actual recipe. Hmm. So I remember as I was getting towards the end of that game, I decided I'm going to spend two hours in the kitchen and make this dish and then play the game so that I can really like experience it together. 
So that's fun. I just finished playing a video game recently called Venba, which is about a family of Indian immigrants that moved to Canada. And you basically just like cook traditional Indian recipes with your mom and get into fights. <laughs> Not like fist fights, but like arguments over like the if you want to go eat pizza because you're like a six-year-old boy who like he had moved to Canada and he wants to do the things that the Canadians do. But then his mom is trying to help him understand enough of like the culture that they mm-hmm. came in. And the the game is like very touching and sweet. It's a it's an indie game if you couldn't tell. Sure, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, it's fairly autobiographical from what I understand of like the guy who made this and some of the things he ran into in his life growing up. But by the end of this game, I am like tearing up on the couch over this like touching moment where the guys like the main character is spending with his mom, and I look over and like Amy fell asleep during <laughs> this game. Uh, so in preparation for playing this game though i wanted to go to that indian grocery store and cook some different things and i bought better spices and along with that was the fenugreek and i got the leaves and the seeds and the leaves i don't have any i threw them away they don't smell like it at all so i think they don't have very much of that satolin in it but as you can tell from the smell yeah yes that that stuff you know you can definitely smell it so you would toss that in certain dishes like in like in say a curry or some sort of sauce and let it like heat up and over time it kind of like starts to get soft and dissolves into okay. it. So that's kind of one of the main ways you could do that. Um, I also found it a, some recipes for a fenugreek tea. So I dumped a, like a tablespoon of those guys into just boiling water and I let it steep for about 10 minutes and tried to drink it. It tasted better than I thought, but it was still not. Did it taste at all like maple? Enough. It was, it was enough, uh, yeah, like I, I could, you would not fool me into thinking that's what it was, but right. maybe if I added a bunch of sweetener and sure. hadn't had syrup for two years right, and someone right. said like, this is what maple syrup is. You don't remember what it's like. Like <laughs> may, maybe then, but after like two days of like uh, eating different foods, a bunch of food that has fenugreek in it and drinking the fenugreek tea. I got the faintest little smell of maple syrup when I smelled my armpit at the end of the day. <laughs> and like, I wish it was stronger, but I will take any victory I can get. Um, so this adventure into fenugreek that I've taken also helped me answer a question of why some people think the streets smell like maple syrup. In the mid to late 2000s, there were several fenugreek-related scares in New York City, and people thought these were some sort of bioterrorism. <laughs> but what happened was there was a factory in New Jersey that was processing tons and tons of fenugreek, and the wind would blow just right one day, and it would blow the smell across the Hudson River into Manhattan. Hmm. And since we've said that it doesn't really like break down much in water, uh, and it kind of lingers, that all of the water vapor it was traveling through, it was able to kind of it was able to not dissipate. And it was kind of this invisible cloud that just went to Manhattan where all these people are. And yes, like this is maybe five or six years after 9-11. So people are still thinking, I don't know, maybe something's going to happen here. So people are calling the cops. And this happened four different instances where no one could find out what the problem was. And eventually the police were able to track it down and say there was a factory that was operating on this day at this time doing this thing. And this is why the streets just smelled like maple syrup. Uh, but before anybody goes wild uh, and tries this at home, I will say, like, I should probably say kids don't try this at home. <laughs> uh, reading about some of the health things with fenugreek, that some people do use it as 
a bit of like a health supplement. Uh, and I think if you really knew what you were doing, maybe you could could use it in a way that's at least not unhealthy. But if you are pregnant, diabetic, have a peanut allergy, or take blood thinner, you should probably not eat a bunch of fenugreek because it will mess things up for all of those situations. Interesting. I think it works kind of as a blood thinner. So if you're someone who's on blood thinner, like my dad, mm -hmm. and you ate a bunch of that, that it could maybe make your blood too thin or... Wow. Uh, things like Does that. Does that mean if you're on a blood thinner or diabetic, I guess the diabetic one, I know the answer, but like, should you not have imitation maple syrup? Hmm. That is a great question. I would imagine for a lot of these things, it's probably not a big deal to have a small amount. Right. Because it's, it's not all fenugreek. It's, right. It's oh, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. And I don't know how much they keep in there because I think it falls under the natural flavors yeah. of a lot of these ingredients lists. Yeah. I think it would, there's never going to be enough that it's a big deal. And yeah. you, like, you're probably going to have sugar issues before you have right. Satolin issues or something. <laughs> so from all of this, I've learned that the concept of just aromas and flavors is very complicated. Like I won't get into all the details of vanilla, but that's another similar one. Or even cinnamon. There, there are a lot of situations where you have real versions and fake versions of things. And it's crazy that we are able to get so close to the real thing with the fake thing. And I think another thing that I learned from all of this, though, is that if you're walking down the street one day, you're driving in your car, you're hanging out in your house, or you're cleaning your toilets, and you smell maple syrup, it's probably not maple syrup. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Factoid Podcast. If you have a factoid and you want to share it with us, as usual, you can always send it to what's yours at factoidpodcast.com. And just like always, you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or on our website, factoidpodcast.com. But wait, it is time for the giveaway. We are finally going to announce who won the Kagane figurine, who won the piece of fruitcake that will probably outlive you. That's right. And just so you guys know, one winner gets all. So we are live right now. I'm using, for those of you who want to check, I'm using wheel. A giant wheel. He is wheel spinning a wheel with his hands. <laughs> I will make the sound effects. It's that, yeah, it's a website. But but I put all your names in. First of all, thanks for signing up. It was a lot of fun. It was always, we were checking. It was fun to see people sign up. So we're going to be rolling this right now. And here we go. <laughs> and? And the winner is Josh. Josh Taylor. Joshua Hugh Taylor. You did it. Congratulations. We'll reach out to you here soon and can't wait to give you that old piece of your cake. Oh, man.